Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the thoughts of our hearts be acceptable to you through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Martin Luther liked to say, and Lutherans following him like to say that the cross alone is our theology. When we say that, what do we mean? Well, Dr. Luther would distinguish between what he called the theology of glory and the theology of the cross. The theology of glory says that God works through and associates himself with the powerful, the mighty, that which is highly esteemed by the world. On the other hand, the theology of the cross teaches that God associates with the humble, the lowly, that which is despised by the world. And St. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And indeed, this is how our Savior came into the world. He came into the world not as a conquering king, but as a helpless infant laying in a feeding trough. And during his earthly ministry, he really was a homeless man. He had nowhere to lay his head. And St. Paul says this, he says, the Jews seek miraculous signs, the Greeks look for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Greeks. But to those of us who are the called, Christ is the power of God and he is the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God, Paul writes, is wiser than man's wisdom. The weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And we see that very clearly portrayed in our Passion reading today. Roman numeral one, Jesus is a king. He's a king without any subjects. He, he's a rabbi without any disciples. He is now a teacher without any students. And when he cries out from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's truly alone. Letter A, none are following him now. His followers are no longer following. We read in Matthew 26 that at Christ's arrest, the disciples not only fled, Matthew writes, they forsook him and fled. They abandoned him. They were no longer followers of his. Judas went out and hung himself, and Peter 
Well, when he denied his Lord, I want you to understand clearly what he meant. He meant that he would have nothing whatsoever to do with a crucified Messiah. He rejected the idea of a Christ who would suffer and be rejected and who would die. He had believed, and I emphasize had believed, in a Christ who would reign in glory with Peter himself at his side, a political messiah, an earthly messiah, esteemed by the world, by men everywhere. But that's not the Christ that God sent. God sent a Christ that was very different. And in sending the Jesus that was sent to us, and the suffering that he endured, and the rejection, and the death he died, God smashed that idolatrous vision of a Messiah that Peter carried in his heart. Letter B, the human heart is an idol factory. We like to view God in a utilitarian sort of way, a God that is useful to us and to our ends, a God who is a means of getting what we want. Those are the idols that we hold in our hearts, a God who will validate my desires and a God who would never allow me to suffer pain or rejection or any deep hurt. But let her see, God will undermine our idols. He will destroy, he will smash our idols, our idolatrous views of God. He will smash them through the circumstances of life. Through the circumstances of life. The idea of a political Jesus was smashed when our Lord was arrested and scourged and nailed to the cross. And my friends, it's no different with you and me, the idols in our own hearts. If you believe that God exists to be your insurance policy against any sort of suffering, shame, or rejection by the world, well, God will destroy that view of himself whenever suffering and setbacks occur in your life. Those kinds of gods cannot stand up to the reality of the life we experience. And that brings us to Roman numeral two, the power of Christ's death. My friends, that death was not what his disciples wanted, but that's the power of God to save humanity. It's the power of God at work. Through that very death, he died. Letter A, Luther would write, the blood of Christ not only awakens the dead, and we see that when the dead come out of their tombs, but sinners' souls as well. And we see that at the foot of the cross when 
the execution squad, the, the soldiers who were responsible for nailing Jesus to the cross, they see him, and, and Mark relates it in this way, when they saw how he died, they said, surely, this was the Son of God. You see, these men, very unlikely believers, are likely the first believers in God's Messiah, in the crucified Messiah. What the disciples rejected, that is what creates true followers of Jesus, of Christ the crucified. And letter B, faith grows in very unexpected places. We see that throughout the Gospels. In John chapter 12, some Greeks come and they say to Philip, they say, sir, we would like to see Jesus. And when Jesus hears it, what does he say? He, he connects that coming of the Gentiles with the cross. He says, now the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. That's Christ. That's the magnetism of his death. That's the magnetism of the cross. What God has in mind is not a temporary political kingdom confined to Judea, but a worldwide kingdom of grace and forgiveness for all people. And my friends, only the cross achieves that. Only the cross reconciles men to God and men one to another. And the cross that he calls us to bear in following him, the sufferings that we experience for his sake, these are used by God as the ways in which people around us, the world around us, will behold the Christ and be reminded of their Savior. So, letter C, our responsibility is to proclaim Christ crucified. That's our message and no other. God's responsibility is to convert the world through no other message than that. No other message than that. St. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 10. Faith comes by hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word or the gospel of Christ, crucified and risen for the sins of the world. You know, St. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I resolved to know nothing during my stay among you except this, Jesus Christ and him crucified. And do you know how long Paul lived among the people of Corinth? It was a year and a half, 18 months. 18 months of teaching and preaching nothing except Jesus and him crucified. Now you would think, would they not tire of that message? Would they not pine to hear something else? Paul knew better. Paul knew 
that this message of Christ not only saved them from sin and death, but it was the very message that sanctified them in their growth in Christian living. It is that message of Christ's crucifixion and resurrection that would sanctify them and enable them to go out and be little Christs to those in their families, in their places of work, in their daily discourse. Now this is the message that God has given us to proclaim and no other. You may hear various messages in ch churches today, but there's one message that creates faith. There's one message that sanctifies and equips you to go out into the world and to be what God has called you to be. And that is the message of Christ and him crucified for the sins of the world. And you can spend the rest of your life exploring and learning that message and never exhaust the topic. In Jesus' name, amen.